Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, moderator of meaningful conversations and convener of community. Whether you are or know someone who is battling multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, type 1 diabetes, scleroderma, lupus, or any of the 24 autoimmune diseases that HSCT can halt, or are simply inspired by transformational journeys, you are in the right place. As we continue to grow the HSCT warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, Recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression. Connect through our shared experiences and advocate for an inclusive society. We are glad you've joined us. Welcome to the HSCT Warriors podcast, Marlo. It's great to connect with you. I appreciate you being a listener and reaching out for an interview. Thank you for having me here. Well, it's going to be exciting to get to know you and your journey with HSCT. That is new and exciting, I'm thinking. Yeah, um, I'm pretty new to HSCT. I mean, like I said in my message, I've had MS for 11 years, um, but I'm only 24, which is very young. Um, Well, tell me more about your diagnosis. So I was diagnosed, yeah, when I was 13, I couldn't walk very well. I was playing tennis for about three hours every day and pretty active. And then all of a sudden I was limping around and people didn't really know what was happening. Um, Everyone was saying, well, oh, it's just a pulled muscle, you know. Um, I, I was like, I was a 13 year old, you know, like going to eighth grade and had, you know, was, was really active. Um, and so I didn't think twice about it. Um, and then my grandmother did have MS and she, uh, passed away in the seventies and my dad had dealt with that. And so I think after a while of it not going away, he kind of suspected that it might be MS, Hmm. but didn't want to scare me. Um, and then, but then I went to um, a neurologist and then got got an MRI and then had a brain and spinal cord full of lesions. And I actually, I think I heard on one of your previous podcasts, it, maybe it was you that had Lyme disease? Yes, yes, yes. Um, it is me. Yeah. Um, so I actually, they didn't find my Lyme disease until after uh, my MS diagnosis. Mm. Um, but I did have, so I, I went to all of these doctors, right. When I was first diagnosed, sure. um, and no one tested me for Lyme disease or even mentioned it. No. Um, but then my, my dad actually is an integrative doctor. Um, and he, he's based in Nashville, um, where I'm from. And he, tested me. He was like doing all of this research because of course I'm his daughter and he's worried about of course. Um, me having MS and oh, having it my so goodness. young and he uh, had his yeah. own mom go through it. I just can't imagine. Pass away and that, you know, he watched his mom deteriorate and um, that trauma. And so he, yeah, so he tested me for all of these things. And one of the things was Lyme disease and my numbers, I don't know what the test is, but like it, it was off the charts. Hmm. Um, and when I had, when I was thinking back to when I maybe had a bullseye rash, I sure enough, I, I thought back and I was like, Oh, when I was nine years old at sleepaway camp, hmm. I did have a bullseye rash. No one, no one told me it was a tick bite. Right. I was in Texas at the time. So um, no one thinks that Lyme disease exists in Texas. Right. Even though it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does. It, it does exist right. in the South. It exists everywhere. I mean, yeah, exactly. ticks travel. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So the theory is that my Lyme disease triggered my MS, which mm. was also your case. Indeed. Yeah. So I'm sorry to hear that we are in the same camp. Yeah. Yeah. But that um, gives me a lot of background and just understanding. So thank you for sharing more of your story. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it was once they figured that out, I, I did go on treatment for Lyme disease. Um, and I, ha- I still have my tests now for Lyme disease come back negative, but I still have a lot of the antibodies. The, sure. And the, the symptoms. Yeah. The, a lot of the symptoms like the, the joint pain, um, that's the main one, but yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry for your struggle. And even just the early diagnosis, I'm sure your dad must've been terrified. Yeah. I think, I think both of my parents were, and it's, um, it's so interesting hearing all the stories on your podcast. And I, I mean, by the way, it's just been really amazing to, to listen to it, especially just li- listen to people's stories and, um, and to hear them talk about how HSCT has completely changed their lives. Mm. Um, so and- yeah, no, thank you for listening. And thank you for just supporting others by sharing your story. Yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah, they, um, the, the stories have really made me think about reflect on that, on that time of when I was first diagnosed and, you know, that all of these drugs were sort of like thrown at us, sure. you know, all of the, all of the disease modifying drugs. And I, I went through a lot of them. Yeah. I went through Rebif first. I went through Copaxone. I went through Avonex. I went through, oh my gosh, I can't, can't even name all of them. Tecfidera, Jelenia. And of course, I feel like in the past 10 years, they've made some advances um, in terms of those drugs. And and I was always on like the newest one, um, right, right. but they always, always caused me issues. You know, whether it was like the site reactions from the Copaxone or the, um, the you know, there's the nausea or the the fatigue from I remember from the rebif, um, the irritability. I mean, it was just everything caused me reactions or they just didn't work well for me. I had that I couldn't walk well and that's how they knew I had left leg um, weakness and that's how I, they knew that I had MS or that's how they found it. And then I went on Rebif, Copaxone, Avonex, and it seemed like I was fairly stable, but then, and I went through high school like that, and then um, started college. I, I came up here to Boston, and I went to BU for college, and my second week into BU, I got optic neuritis, mm. um, and I just lost, I lost vision in my right eye. Um, and I, I remember that day I kept like rubbing my eye. I actually didn't, I was so young, I think at diagnosis and, um, I, it was very traumatizing to be in eighth grade and deal with that when I'm already insecure about Mm. so, so many other things, you know, everything Um, an eighth grader should be. Yeah. That's amazing. So I just, I think I, I just wanted to shut it all out. Um, and I, I am grateful for the support that my parents gave me. You know, they 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 really tried to not show me the scary side of MS sure. <laughs> as much as possible. You know, and that and that and that worked for me. That worked well for me. Um and so I really didn't know that I could have optic neuritis. Right, right. It sounds silly, but no. I, I didn't know that I that I could become blind. I didn't know that was even possible with MS. Um, sure. Turns- as far as I knew, it was like, you know, I could I could get muscle weakness, um, I could lose feeling, but I didn't think that, that that was a possibility. And so when it happened, I remember I was just like, oh, I just must have something in my eye. And mm. I was like going to college and it was a normal day. Yeah. And then by the end of the day, I was like, huh, like something is really off because I'm like kind of seeing double and like things aren't just, yeah, things are off. And I remember I called my dad because of course he's a, he's a primary care doctor. So I'm like thinking, oh, there's something just wrong with my eye, you know, separate from MS. And sure. he's like, he kind of pauses on the phone and he's like, Marlo, you have to go to the emergency room. And I'm 
I'm freaking out, obviously. I don't have my parents there. It's my second week. And um, I I ended up having some amazing friends um, who were only my friends for a few weeks at that time, but that ended up being lifelong friends that, um, that brought me to the hospital and helped me out until my parents could get there. But um, really scary. And I think that was like, that was the turning point for me. Like this, this is actually a really, really hard disease. And uh, it it had never really affected me um, so severely. And I ended up, you know, taking steroids and stuff. um, But it didn't come back fully. So I'm still partially blind um, Mm. in that eye and might always be. Um, who knows, maybe HSCT will help that. Um, yeah, well, and the thing with HSCT is that it works to halt progression. The sooner then you can halt that effort or that lesion, it's possible more with HSCT than any other drug out there, right? Like drugs might slow the progression of that lesion continuing to be there and cause damage to your optic nerve. But HSCT is the only thing that would stop that lesion from being active and then your body would work to heal that. Yeah. That's, that's the way I'm thinking about it too. And if I do get symptom improvements or improvements in general from HSCT, I'll be so grateful. But I think the, the most important thing is that there won't be disease progression, you know, like preventing things from getting worse, which I've never I've never had a guarantee like I'll probably get with HSCT. There you go. That just, that just doesn't exist. Like you were saying. um, It doesn't exist right now. And for you to have been living with this for 11 years now, since such a young age, you know, it's easy for us veterans who I just turned 40 this past year. And so, you know, it's easy for me to say, I, I can't wait to get my life back. But for you, it seems like you, you're you just beginning your life, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when I was, I was talking to my mom about it recently, about HSCT, and my mom was the person that originally found it. Um, my dad had been talking for the past few years, ha, um, had been seeing different things about stem cell treatments, which is obviously different from HSCT, but... Um, He had been, you know, looking into some centers around the world that, you know, say that they have um, seen a lot of improvements um, with MS patients um, doing stem cell treatments. So that was sort of on the horizon. But of course, there was there's no real research um, on those treatments that I know of. Correct. um, And that he that he knew of. And then in the past. Um, the past year, things got really complicated with my MS. So um, uh, just a little backstory is that I I have been on Ocrevus for a, a year and a half. Um, and I've been on uh, Rituxan. I was on Rituxan for two years before that. Mm. Um, and they're, they're very similar drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's like a slight difference. I'm not entirely sure, but, but they are very similar. So I was on that class of drug for about three years um, or have been, I'm still on it. So uh, last January, I developed inflammation throughout my entire body. Um, I had inflammation in my bladder. I had inflammation in my GI tract had so I had like a skin issue, um, so many different things. And, and, and I still actually have a lot of these same issues still. Um, I went to tons of doctors. Everyone told me they don't know what this is. I did a billion tests. No one understood it. I went to my neurologist. She said, this doesn't seem like it's an MS flare. It's not presenting like an MS flare. I don't know what's happening. Oh, um, but it it really felt like my entire body was like fighting against me. And and I kept going to these specialists and they were treating e- each of these things as separate issues. I mean, 
like I went to a GI doctor and they were throwing around Crohn's and ulcerative colitis and then um, and then went to the dermatologist and she was she was, you know, saying, oh, maybe you have an autoimmune skin condition. I mean, it was just all of these <laughs> all of these autoimmune conditions were were being thrown around. And finally, it just got it just got to the point where it was like so many different things happening that. Um, my doctors were like, okay, there must be something un- underlying happening that we're, that we're not seeing. Mm. And that's when um, a couple of my doctors, I, I had a really, really tough time advocating. Um, and I had a lot of terrible experiences of doctors not believing me, oh. um, invalidating my pain, et cetera. Oh, I'm so sorry. A lot I've of been us there. women deal with a lot of pe- a was, lot of us have been there and it is extremely frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um and and so finally a few of my doctors started throwing uh su- just suggesting that maybe this is ocretus. And that's when things changed and um they did keep a long story short, they did a few biopsies and it suggested that whatever the inflammation I had, um, I had some like vaginal inflammation as well and bladder and, um, and it's, they suggested that, uh, that what I was experiencing was like a drug reaction. The, the hypothesis, although they have not seen this reaction in anyone else. I mean, as far as they know, I'm the only person in Boston that has, that that is dealing with this and that's saying something because we have a lot of good ms centers here mm. um and uh as far as they know i i'm probably the only person right now but i'm sure that there will be many others because ocrevus is very new um yeah and it's <laughs> you know it's not that everyone has to experience the same thing yeah y- yeah your pain is your pain as an individual and yeah, it's, it's very curious that it took them that long to decide that maybe the drug was the thing causing these complications. Yeah, it it was it was really hard because, of course, I had that in the back of my mind, but I was like trying to trust these doctors and they were saying no. Um, and my PCP actually was really great. And she she was the one who really advocated for me and and said, look, this is the Ocrevus. Um but anyway, once they determined that, and that was, so I started having these symptoms January last year, and then they determined that in August. Once That's they a did, long then, time to be I, experiencing horrible side effects. A very, yeah, a very, very long time. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Um, but then once they did, it was kind of like, well, so Ocrevus is the best thing on the market and you've been through oh. about seven other medications. So we don't really know where to go from here. And also for me, I was like, wow, Ocrevus is call- causing this. Like, I, I don't want to be on any of these medications. Mm. Like, what if what if a different one causes it? Um, it the, the reaction wasn't so they explained the reaction. um the way they explained the reaction was that Ocrevus was, um, so it's a B cell depleting drug. Mm-hmm. Um, but by depleting the B cells, it was causing some sort of abnormal T cell dysregulation. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like the drug, it wasn't like I had, you know, a rash immediately after the infusion or something like that. It wasn't like, a drug reaction like that, but it was more that the Ocrevus was causing some process that was then causing the inflammation. Mm, which is the opposite um, of what you want because yeah. <laughs> MS is an, it's an inflammatory thing and these drugs are supposed to calm that inflammation. Sounds like yeah. Ocrevus was doing the opposite for you. Yeah, exactly. So I, after that, I mean, it was very overwhelming. I started you know, steroid treatments for months, which just made me feel awful. I started IV immunoglobulin, IVIG, um, which helped some, and I continue on it, and it calms it a little bit, but nothing was really getting rid of it. And then plus, 
I went off the Ocrevus uh, in August, meaning I didn't get my normal Ocrevus dose. And then, you know, of course, like the doctors are like, yes, you, you should be off of it. But of course, they don't know what's going to happen if I, right, <laughs> if I go right. off of it. I've, I've been on medication for the past 10 years. So what, you know, they, they don't know. I've been on medication. There hasn't been a time where I've been off medication. Sure. So I go off medication and then about a month later, I have another relapse. Mm. I started losing some vision in my left eye and then I started having mobility issues again. So um, at that point, you know, of course I do IV steroids. I did get the vision back in my left eye, thank goodness, um, and then got most of my mobility back. But um, at that point, we were like, okay, I have, I have what they call active disease, um, which I had never heard before. Right. <laughs> um, and of course, mind you, like this, this whole year, I, I have never had to deal with my disease the way that I've had in the past year. Sure. I, I really, of course, with my optogeritis, I, I think I, I came to terms with it more, and I learned more about the scary side of MS, but, um, I still just always put it on the back burner and, um, wanted to just live my life. Um, like you were saying, um, yeah, well, and it sounds like it's finally catching up with you. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, and it is. And, uh, so we got to this point where it was like, okay, so what next? And, you know, there are all these other drugs that they could, they could throw at me, you know, Lemtrada or um, there's another one, I forget, um, that I haven't tried, you know. But <laughs> I, you know, I know that I get terrible side effects um, and I, I was experiencing terrible side effects from the Acrevis and I didn't want to get more side effects. Um, and I, my mom and I just started thinking like there has to be something else out there. Mm. And my mom, I mean, she's amazing. She did so much research, um, August, September, October. Um, she actually found Clinica Ruiz, um, in Mexico. And we were all, we were all ready to, to do that, to go down that road. Um, and then she also found Dr. Burt and, my neurologist in Nashville, um, before I went to college, like, uh, the, the neurologist I went to, um, when I was diagnosed, he told my mom about Dr. Burt. And so we did a bunch of research on him and, and what was happening at Northwestern. And so we were ready to go down that path. Um, it was very exciting to hear about it. Um, and we had done all this research, you know, and, so in November, we had this, uh, we had scheduled an appointment with my neurologist here. I go to Brigham and Women's and um, we were going to discuss other options. And I was expecting her to, of course, say, like, why don't you try this other drug? Let's, you know, let's see what other drug options there are. But we get into this point and, and we're all prepared with our research, you know, we're right. like prepared to go into the appointment to be like, we need to do HSCT, you know? Um, and we're all, we're like excited about it, but we're also nervous because we're like, Oh, what if she says like, what if she's not supportive and all this? Um, we're ready to go to, you know, fight for it. Nice. warrior and, mode. Yeah. <laughs> we, we go into the appointment and the first thing after, you know, after I, we're, we're talking about what happened, my doctor says, so Dana Farber has just signed a contract with Brigham and Women's Neurology, and they want to accept MS patients to do HSCT, the BEAM protocol, which is a little different from right. Dr. Dr. Bird. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and she said, we want to present you as a patient to them. How and did that feel? Amazing. Um, my mom and I just looked at each other and I think we were about to cry. Um, 
you know, I, I think I could go to Chicago. I could go to Mexico. I could go to Russia, but to be able to stay here, my, my whole support system is here. Right. My partner is here. My friends are here. My family is not far. Um, it, it, I mean, it makes such a difference. Yeah. Um, you need support. As, yeah. And, and to have my doctors here as well, who, who know me. Um, and so it was, it was an amazing feeling. And of course, immediately I said, yes. And, uh, you know, I, I want to do this and I already had done the research and, um, were they surprised so. that you knew what they were talking about? <laughs> yeah, they were, I think they were a little surprised and they were surprised at how like eager I was too. Um, but yeah, and I, I wanted to do it. And so that kind of sparked a series of meetings and I met with a doctor at Dana-Farber who literally told me that I was, I was suggested to like, I think they had signed that contract um, a week before they suggested me as a patient. So she was like, I didn't expect this to be so quick. (laughs) Um, But she did tell me that she, if all goes well, which seems, seems like it's going well. And I will be the first patient with MS that they do this at Dana-Farber for. Um, So have you been through like initial testing? I am. I'm scheduling that now. Um, so I'm, they're also, we're kind of waiting for insurance approval, um, going through, I'm scheduling the initial testing. Um, but I think that's going to be closer to the date when we actually do the, um, the transplant. But, um, yeah, it's, they actually, so they have to go through, she basically told me that it'll be, it'll happen by June. Um, but that she can't guarantee earlier than that. Um, just given all the approvals that they need to go through. Sure. Um, but the fact that she told me I can guarantee you by June, I mean, that's, that's pretty <laughs> amazing. That is very amazing. So you are the inaugural HSCT patient. That's really exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. Um, and she she looked at me and she was like, you know, you are honestly the um, the ideal patient for this. Absolutely, because I think they they consider me as having active disease as well as be, being young helps with the recovery. Indeed. Um. And then just, um, I'm not, I'm not like severely disabled. Um, I'm I'm not, I mean, I have pretty much full mobility, so I'm, I'm not very disabled. So, so how did she, like, what is her background with HSCT and how did she decide to develop this program? So I, from what I can gather, um, she, so she's been doing transplants for cancer patients because Dana-Farber is a cancer institute. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a particular interest in um, H- HSCT autologous transplants for um, for people with autoimmune yeah. disease. Mm-hmm. And she has um, talked a lot slash learn. I mean, she said she's been to conferences um, with the team from Ottawa that did that study on the beam protocol right, um, right. for HSCT. So she, like when I was at the appointment, she was like, oh yeah, I just got back from a conference where I met like the lead, I forget his name, but the lead doctor um, who published that study. And so I think they've, she's been working more with those folks in Ottawa Sure. Um, well, yeah, she wants to replicate their beam protocol. Yeah. So that makes yeah. total sense. And it makes sense to establish a different option for people in the States. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have been looking into, you know, the differences between the beam and the protocol that Dr. Burt uses. And um, yeah, I, 
I, I know some about the differences, but I don't know much about the differences in effectiveness or if there are any. Um, yeah, I don't. But yeah, th- it does make sense to have different options, and um, not much is has been studied yet on HSCT um, and on the different the different protocols. So. I'm sure just as effective. I mean, the studies coming out of Canada related to beam sound just as effective and, you know, um, I guess you'll be finding out sooner than later. Yeah. So I'm curious, why was it important for you to participate in the podcast? Well, I, I mean, I, I think there aren't many stories out there of young people with MS. Mm. Um, like you were saying before, I think, um, yeah, it does really, it does, it does feel like I'm just beginning my life. I'm just beginning my career. Um, I'm, I'm just figuring out life as an adult. Um, and I, I, the other day I was talking to my mom and we were talking about HSCT and she, she was like, I don't even think you know what it feels like to live a life without a chronic disease right without pain she was like i don't i don't even know i don't I don't even think that you know what it feels like to not be on medication mm. i to not think about taking medication every day or to not you know worry about pain and i realized yeah that's I mean, I was diagnosed when I was 13. There aren't many memories that I have, clear memories that I have pre-diagnosis. And that's also because of the trauma. And I've kind of blurred a lot of that period of my life out. Well, let's Um, be honest. MS also affects your memory. So it may be something that (laughs) you just don't realize is a side effect of or um, a part of having MS. Yeah, no, that's that's very true too. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I think that it, I wanted to share my story and, and hopefully it's helpful to other young people with MS that, um, that are, that are trying to seek other options. I mean, I, I wish, and I feel like everyone on your podcast says this, but I wish I had known this earlier Mm. because I went through 10 years of dealing with some really terrible side effects and, um, and really, really difficult experiences. And I, and those were some of my like really formative years. And, um, and, and that was, you know, when I was growing up and I, yeah, I hope that, I hope that young people can see that this is an option and this is now definitely an option in, in Boston. Um, I hope that they can open it up to, to more people once I go through it, but, um, but an option in Chicago, an option, Mexico, Russia, other places. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. Just, more people I, need access to this. Yeah. And I like some people, I was always under the impression that like most people with MS can just be on these medications and just be stable. And that's just not the reality. I, I was told that to be comforted when I was younger. And that's a good thing because I, I could have, I could have been depressed for most of my adolescence. Um, if, if I didn't think that way, but, but so many people struggle and, and so many young people struggle as well and don't have medications that work for them or, you know, don't respond to medications. And we like, we can't just keep throwing these drugs at people. Like it's, it's just not, they are humans too. And and their pain is real. And, you know, for you to be set aside by so many doctors over the years is just tragedy, you know, because HSCT has been an option for all of those years. And for you to only just now be finding out about it, that is also tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I so wish I knew about this earlier and um, could have saved myself some years of pain. Um, and and also just like been able to live my life. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, hopefully this is paying it forward, right? And yeah. by your um, story, sharing your story to others, there will be someone who learns about it for the first time on time, right? Or in advance yeah. of 10 years of suffering. So that's the hope with this, right? And so thank you for tuning in. And hopefully once we share more of your story, the more people who can hear and share, the greater our chances of getting the word out to those people early in their struggle. Yeah, I I hope so too. I also, like I've been thinking about ways to document my journey and to, you know, get it out there. I'd, I, uh, I admire you for creating this podcast. This is a great medium. Thank you. Um, but yeah, figuring out, I know a lot of people have blogs, um, different things. Um, so yeah, I have to figure that out too. I've picked up some followers on Instagram and someone who's there right now, um, documenting everything through Instagram, which was neat. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I think more and more people are becoming aware of the need to share, right? Because they are getting their life back and the power of social media is there to help us create and expand these communities. And yeah, it'll be, I'm sure followed wherever you decide to share your story. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I hope so. And I hope it's helpful and I, I'm happy to talk about my experience post HSCT. Oh yeah. We will Um, definitely be following up with you. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, do you have any doubts going into this as you prepare for HSCT? At this point, um, I have very few doubts, you know, of, of course, sometimes I'm, sometimes I worry and I'm like, what if it doesn't work? What if, you know, I'm, I'm one of the few that this, this doesn't work on, um, and that I, my disease keeps progressing. And then I went through this whole thing and it didn't work. You know, that's always a fear. Um, but that's very, that doesn't take up the, the, the hope and excitement outweighs that all the time. So, um, keep that voice quiet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. As you prepare. Yeah. As you prepare, once you walk in the doors of that center to start treatment, all negativity yeah. needs to be left at the door. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person that, um, I, I'm always a go, go, go kind of person. Um, and I fill my days up and, um, I'm always doing things. And, and so I'm trying to prepare for this period where I'm really just going to have to focus on my health and focus on slowing down and, invest in the long term and just, you know, maximize potential lay low. (laughs) Yeah, well, that is key. It's, it's important to slow down and let the doctors kind of take over, right. And so yeah, the more control you can release and hand over to everyone else to take great care of you. And you, you focus solely on just letting your body go through the process and supporting it 100% to get through the tough stuff, you'll come out on the other side realizing, you know, that wasn't so bad. And I'm so grateful to have done this. And I guarantee you the questioning of, you know, did this work? And is it working? That voice stays in your head for a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> anytime there's a stressful day, or I find myself tired or weak, or didn't not eating right or not resting well, um, I can definitely experience old symptom flares. And so then yeah. that voice rears its ugly head. But after a couple of days and some rest and eating well, then all of a sudden you're feeling better again. So yep. it's good that you're preparing mentally for all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the anxiety of waiting is awful. <laughs> um sure. It's still because I'm still experiencing the side effects and I'm still experiencing MS symptoms, you know, but it is giving me some time to prepare and to be really intentional about um, the the way the ways in which I want to spend that recovery time. Sure. Um, so what are some of those promises you're making to yourself or what are, <laughs> what are some of those ideas that you have? Yeah, well, 
documenting, figuring out a way to document the journey, I think is going to be really important. And definitely in that, whether it's in that medium or outside of it, doing a lot of writing, because that's always been super therapeutic for me um, through everything. And so just being intentional about, about writing, even if it's, even if it sucks. (laughs) Right. Um, (laughs) Right. And, and writing about the positive things too, because then sometimes I forget to write about those. So just doing that. And then also I've been talking to my friends, my family about like ways to keep in touch with them. Um, I know I'll, I'll be able to see like immediate family members initially, um, which will be good. My mom will probably be here. We'll probably, she'll probably like move to Boston temporarily and I'll have that support, which will be really nice. And then uh, my partner and friends are here. And, but I've been talking to friends about like FaceTiming them and um, so that I, I'm still connected to the world. Mm, yeah. Yeah. In well, in some ways. Yeah. It helps you keep your spirits up. Yeah. Yeah. So just, planning that out and having, having some, definitely some reading material and having some projects that I could work on for those few months uh, to sort of structure my time. Sure. Uh Well, and so have you been in school? Are you taking time off of school? So I'm actually, I'm working. Um, So I finished college at BU and then I started working public health. I work in um, public health research and healthcare access, which oh, is well, how about very that? relevant. <laughs> um, but I work in HIV and substance use, which is a different sphere. Um, Indeed, but, but just as needing of advocacy. Yes, definitely. Um, and I see a lot of a lot of overlaps with the the you know the struggles I have with the healthcare system too. I bet. Um, so yeah, I'm, my work has been really great about all of this and I've told them what's going to happen and they're like, you know, whatever, whatever you need, take, take the time you need and oh, wonderful. you'll have a job when you get back. Wonderful. And, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, they're a public health company, so they should be like that, but, Indeed. but that's, that's not the norm. That's not the norm for most places. I know that. So. Yeah. Well, and you know, kudos to you for being so engaged in work and giving them that notice ahead of time and working with them to figure it out along the way. Yeah. And I, I I also have a job that allows me to work remotely for like a lot of the time. So I can, I'll, I'll be able to do that. Maybe I'll take three months off. And then after the three months, I'll start working remotely a little bit. Yeah. Just take it one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And I know things, things will change. Um, but I, I really think that this could be like, I, I kept on getting really upset in the beginning when I heard, when I heard about the recovery time for HSCT, that was like the most daunting thing. Um, and being probably quarantined for a little bit. Um, I, just kept thinking like, Oh, I'm going to miss out on this. I'm going to miss out on this, you know, I'm going to, I am like thinking about grad school. So what's going to happen, you know? And then I just kind of had to take a moment and say, okay, I'm 24. I'm not racing the clock here. It's okay. If a year of my life is devoted to this and I'll resume back when I can, but I'm, you know, I'm in no rush um, to, you know, do all of these other things. I think that's so. a very grounded approach. Yeah. Very healthy approach. Yeah. It was hard getting there. It was sure, it was hard, but I think finally I'm sort of coming what? to terms with that. Yeah. You're not alone in that though. I know several people that hesitate because, you know, they don't, they just don't know how they're going to stop living their life right? Or take a time out Mm -hmm. to go have this treatment. And some people find their way back to work relatively quickly. Um, Some people regret finding that time so quickly and wish they took more time off, but others jump right in, 
both feet and, you know, never look back. And so it just, it's such an individual thing that you just need to find out what works best for you. And like I said, one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what kind of advice could you offer anyone else that maybe is, um, young in their diagnosis with MS and based on your experience and all the research you've done with HSCT, what might you offer as advice? Hmm. I think, I think really finding, um, finding, finding a a way to advocate for yourself. Mm. Um, it, it's so hard. It's so hard for young people. It's so hard for women, people of color, of course, minorities. Um, but it's, but it is hard, um, for, for young people to navigate this healthcare system. Absolutely. And I, I just think, you know, there are there's so many terrible doctors um but there are there are a few good ones and <laughs> um keep you know keep keep trying to find the good ones the ones that are going to be open the ones are that are going to listen to you yes um when you say that you're in pain and when you say you want a different option yes um the ones that are going to just be open to alternatives um, and just, and keep finding those and, and don't settle, don't settle for the ones that are, that are not listening. It's hard because we, we live in a, in a country where we don't have, um, we don't always have access to, to those doctors, but, um, I think just, just keeping at it. And, um, I think once I found those doctors that really did listen to me and advocated for me, um, after I advocated for myself, I Mm. think, um, things got so much better and, um, yeah. And, and, um, and just, yeah, being not, yeah, not settling for those medications that are gonna, that are harmful, you know, um, and, and keep finding those alternatives. I think it's easy for doctors to tell older people, older folks that like, Oh, this is, this medication has a bunch of side effects, but you know, you should, you should take it because it's, it's the only thing we have. Mm. Um, but with young people side effects, it's different, right? Um, we're just starting our lives. The side effects really affect our growing up, um, us, you know, starting our careers, um, us, going through school. And I think, yeah, not, not settling, not settling for those drugs and and really trying to seek an alternative. That's so important. Um, Thank you for that reminder. Yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, if we think about maybe a superpower that you've gained during your time with MS and um, how that might carry you through HSCT? (laughs) (laughs) I think um, something that MS has given me is um, just I've become so in touch with my body Mm -hmm. um, in a way that is sometimes scary, um, but has been so useful even throughout this whole year where I've been um, experiencing so many of these side effects and MS relapses. Yeah. To be able to really, to really listen to my body, um, has been so helpful. And I think that'll be so useful and helpful when I go through HSCT, especially Um, all of the doctors say now, now, uh, you know, after I've been through all of like these, these months of pain, um, the doctors, when I, for the first few months, when I was sort of like suggesting that maybe this was the drug and I was being shot down, um, they, they now after the fact, um, are like, wow. Yeah. Like you, you, you were right. (laughs) You, um, (laughs) 
you you knew what you were talking about. Mm. You listened to your body. Of course. You're really in touch with your body. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, just um, using that power, I guess, yes, um, yes. to get through HSCT and know what my body needs is going to be helpful. Absolutely. It'll carry you through for sure. Good for you. So how about any like resources or books that you're either could recommend to others that have helped you along the way, or that you're looking forward to digging into more when you're away for on your uh, hiatus, if you will? Hmm. Well, I would recommend this podcast. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I can't I feel like I'm just starting to figure out what that will look like for me. Um, but just the like doing doing research on Dr. Burt um, and his clinical trial was so helpful. Also, I'm I'm part of all of the the HSCT Facebook groups um, and finding out blogs of people who've gone through this mm -hmm. um, and reading those blogs been very, very helpful and insightful for me. And just to get a feel for what the process will, will be like. Sure. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I've figured out for now, but I think that there'll probably be others once I talk to you after the fact. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah. Well, and so it's awesome that your mom was able to find all this information as well and do the research and help you find yeah. this as an option. Yeah. It, I mean, she, she's really amazing. It's, I'm so glad that she did just having like family support in general has been oh, yeah. amazing. That's huge. Um, it, yeah. Huge, huge, huge. Um, I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful for that. Do you think they have any fears going forward? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think everyone is a little bit worried. I think, you know, you hear that someone's in the hospital for a month and then has a wiped out immune system. I think that's that's worrisome um, for everyone. But I've actually been, I've been directing a lot of people to your podcast. Thank you. To, like, get a sense, yeah, to get a sense of, like, what this might be like and, um, I actually have heard from my partner, from, um, other friends and family that this has actually been really helpful to listen and some of their fears have been relieved too. So that's wonderful. That's, really great. that's the intention, right? Expand, yeah. expand the story beyond the Facebook wall, right? Because there's yeah. such there's just little snippets from people's stories and it's not enough. There's so much more to the story and just hearing it from people themselves, you know, what mattered to them and their experiences. It's been a powerful experience for me and I'm glad that it's helping other people. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's so different reading something than Indeed. listening yeah. to people's voices. Mm. I found that it was so powerful. I mean, I've like cried. Yeah, me um, too. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I'm sure. Um, it, it's, it is just so powerful to hear people talk about their stories in their own words. And that's something that a blog can't get you, you know? Right. Yeah. That's the hope. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. And how did you find the podcast? I am a big podcast person. <laughs> um, and I just, literally put in HSCT into my podcast app and found you. Wonderful. I'm, I'm glad yeah. we were there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just like, hmm, maybe there's something out there that, because I, I listen to podcasts on all kinds of things. So yeah, like, me too. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was in the hospital in Chicago and I don't know, maybe day minus three. And I was thinking, I, I love podcasts and they're getting me through a lot of this time here because mm. I don't, I didn't, I had no interest in watching TV. It just like, mm. it, we did not turn it on for nine days. Yeah. Um, but I listened to a lot of music and I listened to a lot of podcasts and I thought, well, what if I could create something that can at least help other people tell their stories and experiences with HSCT because 
people don't know about it. And if they're not on Facebook, you know, they really don't know about it. And so how can I help to get the word out about HSCT? Because already by day negative three, I was feeling amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's great. So needed. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't necessarily think about all the logistics or (laughs) how involved I would eventually become. Um, my daughter last, well, last season, she was very much like, mom, you're spending way too much time on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to make it something good to listen to because I'm just, that would be great. I mean, I'm sitting on my yoga mat right now and my little office with a horrible microphone trying to make it sound good and think, (laughs) thank goodness for my really dear friend, Bill, who makes all of this sound so much better. Yeah, well, and we're definitely going to want to loop back and hear more about your experience being the uh, being the inaugural HSCT. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It's it's really opening the doors. I mean, there's there are tons of really big MS centers here. So just to have that option, I think will be really amazing for folks. Sure thing. So is there anything that you're grateful for about your finding out about HSCT that has maybe gone unspoken? Hmm. I think um, I can't stress enough family and friend support really. Um, and, and the fact that my mom found out about this and really, really advocated for it. And I think my whole vision, the my whole vision of, um, or my my sense of myself and and the way that I view my disease has shifted entirely. I think in the past year, if you would have talked to me a year ago, I I would have had no idea I would be here um, and thinking about this, and also just thinking about my disease in this way. And so I'm. I'm so grateful for the support that I've had throughout this whole year to sort of like not only get to HSCT, but also just to, to come to terms with like MS is brutal and it sucks and it takes a lot away from you. Um, And that was something like it, it seems silly that like I'm, I was just coming to terms with that like 11 years later, but, um, not at all. It was so hard. It was like, I was mourning, (laughs) I was mourning a lot. Um, and, uh, and, and so like for me coming to the point of HSCT was more, more than just like, Oh, I'm finding a different treatment. It was like this whole, like, okay, MS is different than I thought it was Mm -hmm. for me. You know, it's, it's like, it's really terrible and it's really destroying, destroying a lot, um, and, and really damaging. So, um, yeah, I'm just like, I'm, I'm grateful for the support that I had through that whole process and like the toll that it takes on your mental and emotional health is huge. So, so it was just, so huge. Yeah. It was hard to get through. Um, but I'm finally at the point where I'm like, yes, this, this is a terrible disease. And then there's this other, there's HSCT and, and that, that's the hope there. So hope indeed. Yeah. I'm excited for you and I'm excited to follow your journey. So you've got to keep us posted about when you finally get scheduled and if insurance covers you and working out all those logistics. Yes, I will. I will definitely. Um, and thanks so much for, for having me and letting me share my story. Oh my gosh. I'm sure you are inspiring plenty of people listening. Uh, you've certainly inspired me. So thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> um, it's good to connect with you on the Lyme level. I'm sorry that you too had to experience all of that and treating Lyme. And, um, yeah, it is, it's awful. <laughs> But it's good. I'm to sorry have... you had to go through that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's part of the journey and yeah. it's part of what makes us warriors, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's good to be on the journey with you. I wish you all the best with it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me.
be sure to visit our website, hsctwarriorspodcast.com, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and access the latest HSCT research and resources. Special thanks to musical genius Bill Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Take a moment to leave a review because your feedback will help to develop even better episodes, and your ratings will help other people find the show. Tune in next Wednesday for a brand new episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well.